Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Oh my goodness. You already know that this time of year is talking season, and we've I think we've even referenced that already this week, that this is the time of year in which coaches are traveling around rubber chicken circuit, booster club meetings, things like that. It is talking season. We like talking season because we like to talk. But last night, the so-called talking season got injected with some Ivan Drago level steroids. Rocky Four reference for those of you from the 80s. Nick Saban last night went there in a way that I didn't think he'd ever go there. I mean, you know, Nick Saban's one of those guys that I typically think of as kind of choosing his words carefully and the kind of person who typically has some sort of agenda behind what he said. There's oftentimes a little bit of a strategy and, frankly, very little actual genuine emotion, I would believe. A lot of this is sometimes the kind of emotion he turns on to, to, to send whatever message that he's trying to send. Last night, I'm not quite so sure that's the version of Nick Saban we got. You heard the phrase like 4D chess before where you're you're trying to like strategize way into the future to to manipulate all the pieces in the board the way that you want them to go. I'm not quite so sure that's what Nick Saban was doing. And this is the thing right now that every college football fan is talking about, Georgia fans included. So let me begin here with Nick Saban. I'll get it to Kirby Smart and the Georgia Bulldogs here in a moment, but at first, you just kind of need to know uh, kind of what's going on here with all of this. So like a some sort of like meeting last night. I, the honest truth is I really don't know what the meeting actually was, but there were a lot of like potential Alabama boosters in the room. This is Saban. Nate Oates, the basketball coach, was there. There was some media obviously there. Last question of the night in the Q&A is related to uh, NIL issues going on right now. Saban spoke, and I, I've listened to the full transcript here, the, the, the full clip. Saban spoke for seven minutes on the subject of NIL last night. The three, I guess, juiciest things that he said, I've pulled out for you here right now, starting with kind of a general concern that he has about NIL related to the boosters who are funding all of this at the moment. Let's start with this and work our way to the best stuff after that. Nick Saban from last night. One of you folks are going to give some player that comes to our school a bunch of money to come to our school. And then you're going to come to the game in full strut. I think and I'm going to tell everybody I got that guy to come to Alabama. And then he's not going to play, and he's going to transfer, and you're going to say, I'm never going to do this again. All right, so I don't know how it works. I don't, I don't know how you sustain a model like that. So I think that's an important clip from Nick Saban in that I think it illustrates what a lot of coaches believe. I would dare say at least the overwhelming majority, if not all of them, feel this way. I don't really know that many coaches who have a problem with players getting paid. I really don't. I don't believe Nick Saban has a problem with that. I don't believe Kirby Smart has a problem with that. I really don't know of any coach in particular. There may be somebody somewhere, but I don't know of any coach in particular that has a problem with players getting paid in this new NIL era in which we live. But what Saban articulates there is with the issue that I believe that most folks have. By folks, I mean coaches here. They don't like the booster involvement. When the because I've told you before that whoever signs the checks owns the company and whoever pays you is your boss. I don't think Nick Saban likes the idea of a booster, someone outside the Alabama program gaining influence over the Alabama players. I think that Saban thinks that's probably a mistake. I think he's probably right to feel that way. I think that most coaches probably do. 
that we vet coaches pretty well over the course of years. And even if they were motivated to do something against a player's better interest for their own best interest, eventually the market would catch them on that and they'd be punished for it. And that's kind of how we vet coaches. We don't have the opportunity to vet boosters in the same way if they are self-serving, if they are short-sighted. You know, we don't really know in many cases who a lot of these people are, some of them more famous than others. But they're just not quite as well vetted. And now they are becoming seemingly a pretty important constituency within the world of college athletics. You've had administrators, players, coaches. All of a sudden now there's this new category. We've always had boosters, but it's like a it's like a more empowered version of the booster. And I think the people who've been caretakers of college athletics for as long as Nick Saban have been, I think they're rightly concerned about that. I think Saban's phrasing on that's probably worth considering. But that's not the part from last night that everybody's going to remember. It's at the end of the seven-minute rant from Nick Saban where things got really interesting because Nick Saban started firing off names. He was naming names last night, including essentially sounding like a message board poster when talking about Jimbo Fisher and the Texas A&M Aggies. You may have heard this. If you haven't, buckle your seatbelt, Nick Saban from Wednesday night. You've read about them. You know who they are. I mean, we were second in recruiting last year. A&M was first. A&M bought every player on their team, made a deal for name, image, and likeness. All right, we didn't buy one player. All right, but I don't know if we're going to be able to sustain that in the future because more and more people are doing it. <laughs> Nick Saban said Texas A&M bought every player on their team. He means their signing class. Now, we're not doing that. But A&M bought every player on their team. As I said before, doesn't that sound like, you know, Bama Bill from Alabaster on, you know, whatever message board, wherever else? I mean, that is about as unhinged as you're going to get from Saban. And oftentimes there's a strategy behind a lot of the stuff that he says. He used the media to get to his players or he uses the media to, to you know, send some sort of message somehow. Honestly, this just sort of feels like getting some off his chest. To me, your feelings on this may be different, but this to me just sort of feels like a, a you know, a, a little bit of a rant. It, it feels like one of those things that's more emotion than 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 strategy in the part of Nick Saban. And by the way, it's not just A and M that he was calling out by name. He also goes down the road of John Ruiz in Miami, Deion Sanders at Jackson State. More from Nick Saban, and then we'll build to a point on this. We have a rule right now that says you cannot use name, image, and likeness to entice a player to come to your school. Hell, read about it in the paper. I mean, Jackson State paid a guy a million dollars last year that was a really good Division I player to come to school. It was in the paper, and they bragged about it. Nobody did anything about it. I mean, these guys at Miami that are going to play basketball there for $400,000, it's in the newspaper. The guy tells you how he's doing it. But the NCAA can't enforce their rules because it's not against the law. And that's an issue. That's a problem. And, and unless we get something that protects them from litigation, I don't know what we're going to do about it. So I think the first thing to do here is just kind of pause and say, wow, that's some really juicy commentary in the part of Nick Saban. And that's really kind of fun. I mean, we all would say, I think for the most part, the coaches too frequently are just really buttoned up and almost scared to say anything if not scared just unwilling to say anything and most comments from most big time coaches have a you know a feeling of being pretty boring from time to time so anytime something's not boring anytime something's not you know the stuff you've heard a million times before it's probably just kind of nice to sort of pause and say man 
That's really a little bit different than what we normally hear. And from Nick Saban right there, that's a little bit different from what we normally hear. And so just to sort of pause and wow, that's that's, that's something, you know, just kind of doing that probably makes some sense. However, beyond that, I think you kind of build to, a, I think, a more important point, a little more serious point that to me, if you want to argue against the current NIL culture that we have in college athletics, I think you have to argue against this on one of two grounds. And if you listen to anybody who comes across as like anti-NIL, I think, or, or at least from a binary sense, like, you know, for someone who's addressing some skepticism about it or, or, or critical of it in any way, if you're going to have an anti-NIL take, it's got to come from one of two places. Either you are arguing on behalf of what's going to allow your program to thrive, or you are arguing on what's going to allow college athletics to survive. There are two different ways to argue against NIL. Does this allow Alabama to thrive in Nick Saban's case? Does it allow college football to survive? And to me, the problem with Nick Saban and the words here, and the same thing from the other day. Do you remember from the uh, uh, golf tournament in uh, Birmingham last week when he was talking about, hey, we got to get parity back to college football again, meaning more equality across the uh, across the, the various programs. And everybody kind of laughed at that because college football has never really had parity. And Nick Saban has been the biggest beneficiary of the lack of parity in college football because Alabama's dominated so much. People essentially just laughed Nick Saban off the stage because what he was saying just sounded so unhinged and so disconnected from reality but Saban at the time seemed to be making that argument because that's the argument that he believed was going to allow Alabama to thrive to kind of complain about the current system once again it's kind of the same thing here where by saying well what about Texas A&M supposedly buying every player what about Jackson State supposedly giving Travis Hunter a million dollars as Nick Saban says or John Ruiz the famous booster at Miami who openly bragged about paying a big six-figure sum to a recent Miami basketball transfer when Nick Saban rants about that the way that he does uh, in the uh, statement from last night, it comes across as if he's just simply arguing for whatever he thinks it's going to take to make sure Alabama continues to thrive. And that's fine to be self-serving that way. But that doesn't make you a leader in the sport. And right now, what the sport needs is a leader. So it'd be nice, I'd say, as Nick Saban, the most high-profile figure in college athletics still, even to the age of 70, it'd be nice if he'd show some leadership, if he'd be more than just the leader of Alabama football. But apparently, that's all he really wants to do. Now, I want to make a comparison here for a moment between Saban and Kirby Smart. And I really feel like that Kirby Smart, when he has expressed some skepticism about NIL, when he's expressed some concern about NIL, to me, he comes across as less guy who just wants to make sure his program thrives, and he comes across a little bit more as guy who wants to make sure college athletics survives. And maybe the word survive is too fatalistic for you. I understand that. But there is clearly a stability that college sports has rested on that I do believe is threatened by some of the stuff that's going on right now. And when all Nick Saban does is argue on behalf of whatever is good for Alabama, I don't think he's helping the situation. Smart, on the other hand, who's got a big program in his own right in Georgia, who's got a lot longer to live in this era of the NIL world than Nick Saban's going to one way or another. Smart, I do think, comes across as a little more 
leader oriented, a little more big picture oriented, a little more what's good for college athletics overall. And as a comparison on that, let's let you hear Kirby from also the uh, golf tournament in Birmingham last week. He was on WJOX. The host, Cole Kubelik, said, hey, you can change anything about college athletics, anything about college football, any rule you want. What's the rule that you change? Listen to how Kirby argues for how NIL could be improved to benefit everybody and not just the team that he coaches. This was Kirby from last week. You know, I would probably look into something uniform for NIL. You know, there's, there's, there's a certain point where certain players have an ability to make a, a lot of money, and I think that's great for the guys that have earned it, that are marketable, just like the same guys in the NFL sure. earn it and get it. You know, there's certain positions that get more than others, but if you could make it a uniform deal where, you know, the schools that have the capacity to give, some schools can't afford to do NIL. Some schools just don't have the support base to do that, but the ones in schools that are marketable and they're, they're, they can do that, it would be nice to be able to give each one something sure not make it uh, out of control that it affects the game but I think that's hard to do it's hard to manage because every situation is different every player is different look Keely Ringo at one time was had NIL deals and then after the game with with Alabama that changed right so things change over the course of time and the the market kind of sets itself in that regard I think Kirby's overall viewpoint on how NIL is how it should be is actually probably not all that dissimilar to Nick Saban's But when Kirby talks about this on the radio last week, he comes across as a guy discussing what's it going to take for college football to survive. Whereas when Nick Saban talks about these same kind of things and the unhinged rant you heard a moment ago, he comes across as what's it going to take for my program to thrive. And that level of selfishness is just not what college football needs right now. Frankly, I don't have time to play seven minutes of Nick Saban audio, but you should go listen to the full thing because actually – Some of what Nick Saban said, including the NCAA occasionally getting a bad rap, including how you could maybe take really good care of players. Some of the things that Nick Saban said last night were actually pretty thoughtful and they were actually, I believe, pretty helpful potentially for college athletics. But the problem is the only stuff that people remember is the overly emotional complaints at the end because A&M maybe have took a player that he wanted or or Jackson State you know got uh, Travis Hunter and may have paid a million dollars for that people are going to gravitate towards the soap opera part of this when some of what Nick Saban actually said is probably pretty helpful so if Nick Saban wants to be a leader for college athletics or if he just wants to like pad his own retirement like you know he certainly has the right to do but if he wants to be a leader for um, you know if he wants to be a leader for college athletics I'd suggest in this particular case, sounding a little bit more like Kirby Smart might be the right thing to do, because thus far, I've been pretty happy with the way that Kirby's talked about this, because ultimately, a program like Georgia is going to pretty much thrive no matter what. Whatever college athletics looks like five years from now, 50 years from now, you have to imagine that Georgia's going to be one of the two or three biggest brands in the entire sport. As long as there is a college football, the Georgia brand is going to be pretty big within that college football atmosphere, I have to believe. However, Kirby is a guy who came up as the son of a high school coach and you know, still certainly very committed to high school football in Georgia and across the South, really across the country. You know, I think that Kirby thinks about more than just what's good for him. And we need more guys like that in college athletics to think about not just what allows my program to thrive, but what guarantees this sport will survive. Because if certain people have their way, college football will be unrecognizable 36 months from now. And that's important to keep in mind. Now, as far as the juicy Soap opera part of all of this, Nick Saban calling out folks by name, including Deion Sanders. Well, guess what? Some of those guys, including Primetime himself, has already had a response to that. So we'll give you 
all of this coming up. But first, let's introduce the show. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented by Meriwether and Tharp, and we're glad to have you with us. No matter how you get to us today, live on video, starting at 945, first and 15, dognation.com, Dog Nation app. 10 a.m. after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, all kinds of video platforms. Of course, the radio every day at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref. Podcast, the Apple Player, Spotify, worldfamousdognation.com. Lots of ways for you to get to us on the program here today, and we are happy to have you with us no matter how you get to us. And a huge thanks to our friends at Meriwether and Tharp for making it all possible. And I do truly think of uh, Bob, Ashley, Tharp, all of the uh, folks there uh, at Meriwether and Tharp, good friends of ours. And I am so glad they're out there for you there as well. Because let's face it, the divorce process can be very scary, very confusing. It's one of those things where when you find yourself in the middle of all of that, you may be wondering, well, how did I get here? But how do I handle this right now? And I'm sure you got all kinds of people telling you all kinds of things. Block all of that out and put your attention on my friends at Meriwether and Tharp because they've been through this thousands of times before. And yes, your situation is obviously specific to you when it comes to certain circumstances, but the institutional knowledge that you gain from going through this as many times the Meriwether and Tharp attorneys have gone through this, that gives you a chance to leverage their expertise for your benefit. So if you reach out to them online, the Atlanta divorce team.com, that's the Atlanta divorce team.com. You can listen to podcasts. You can read blog posts. You can really educate yourself. And I think one of the cool things about this is, is that can set you up to ask really good questions when you have that first free initial consultation with one of those Meriwether and Tharp attorneys. And at that point in time, you're going to hear about how the law can be used for your benefit. And when it comes to finances, relationship with children, all the things that really matter here in life, uh, that's what the Meriwether and Tharp team of attorneys is going to help you do. So please find them online, theatlantadivorceteam.com, theatlantadivorceteam.com. Meriwether and Tharp is your source for Georgia Divorce. So I hope you will check them out here today. All right. So before we get to Terrence Edwards, we're going to get to him here in a moment. Let's get into the really juicy part of the Nick Saban stuff, which is what folks are saying back to him after Nick Saban said what he said. So he calls out Jimbo Fisher. He calls out Deion Sanders, calls out Miami. We haven't heard anything yet from uh, uh, Miami or uh, uh, Texas A&M, but we've heard at least as of press time, as the smart folks like to say. But we have heard from Deion Sanders. Sanders on Twitter last night. Let me show you this. Uh, basically saying that uh, that he's going to have a response coming up to all this. We have we have Dion's. Yeah, he says I will be uh, addressing the lies Dion says that were told by uh, Coach Saban soon. Uh, Dion Sanders saying, "Stay tuned." There on Twitter. So I love the. <laughs> I love the idea that Dion very quickly in response to Nick Saban had time to put some production value behind his tweet. I think there's something kind of interesting there about that. But Dion says that Nick Saban is lying when he says that Travis Hunter got paid a million dollars to go from Collins Hill High School to Jackson State. At one point in time, and we even heard it was like $2 million, whatever else. But here to me is the problem with all of this. Here to me is the problem with all of this. It seems like everybody is lying right i mean like you hear nick saban now and he's crying poor when it comes to nil but he was in the state of texas last year talking about how bryce young got a million dollars like he doesn't even really say that anymore like that was just a thing he threw against the wall to see if it would stick last year and all of a sudden now he's decided a different argument 
suits his purposes. So it's almost like he doesn't even he he literally he's like a politician. He literally pretends he never said that. It's amazing to me that 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 he just threw that out there. You know, the stenographers in the media ran with it. Um, and ever since then, like it's, it's almost like he completely pretends like he just never said that because it doesn't really suit his purposes as much anymore. Did Bryce Young get a million dollars or did he not? We don't really know. Uh, you know, no one's ever dug too deep into all of this. But clearly one or the other statement from Nick Saban has to be a lie. So from that standpoint, if uh, Deion Sanders is calling Nick Saban a liar, that is just factually true. One of these statements or the other from Nick Saban would appear to be a lie. But here's the issue. Deion Sanders is lying, too. And and he should not be able to get away with this just because he's a good guy and a good personality and everybody has fun with primetime. Deion Sanders should be called out for his lies as well because the lack of truth from him is also making this conversation more difficult to have. Now, you say, well, B.A., why is Deion Sanders lying? Let me give you a couple of quick examples of this. All of a sudden, Dion, for whatever reason, has decided that it doesn't suit his purposes to, uh, you know, embrace the NIL culture and brag about what either did or didn't happen with Travis Hunter or anybody else. So now Dion pretends they can't pay anybody, nor would they ever pay anybody, not just in that particular tweet, but with uh, I think it was Rich Eisen. Uh, This is an old clip from uh, a few months ago. Dion making it clear that there was no NIL deals going on at Jackson State, at least trying to. Let me let you hear Dion on that. There's a lot of flack from the old guard about NIL and just pay many amounts of money and all this kind of stuff. We got the money. We ain't got well, no money. Can you, can, you just can you just address all the stupidity out there for me, please? Uh, a million and a half? I heard a million and a half, and I heard Dave Fortin over Barstool. That's the biggest lie I've ever heard. You know what that is? That means we kicked your butt. We took what was ours, and now you got to make up an excuse why. Ain't nobody got no a million and a half. I would pay my son a million and a half. I'm going to coach a guy that's making more than me. So that's that's him basically echoing what he said in his tweet there a moment ago. We don't have any money to give anybody. Barstool Sports didn't give Travis Hunter seven figure sum, whatever else. But here's the problem. A few months before that, go back to last summer when the NIL world was just beginning. At that time, Deion Sanders was more than happy to tell anybody that Jackson State wanted to be right in the NIL discussion and expected to be right in the NIL discussion. By the way, that audio is from ESPN a moment ago. I, I uh, incorrectly attributed it before that. But um, uh, but Deion Sanders right there saying there's no NIL money. We don't have any NIL money to give out. But that's not what he was saying prior to that. Let's go back to last summer for proof. If it's always the first that they say we can pay by image and likeness, I promise you, August the first at twelve oh one, whatever time it is, we're gonna lay some of y'all out. Y'all gonna be straight. And y'all make me hold my word to that. But I don't lie. I cry to you before I lie to you. Not as easy to hear that, but what he says is if August the 1st is the date the NIL stuff uh, takes effect, right there at 1201 a.m., basically we're going to be the first to start paying players. He says we're going to make y'all happy. So so when it benefited him to say that they would be doing NIL, he's like, we're going to be the first to do it. We're going to make our players happy. We're going to be paying them. But then later on, when all of a sudden he was getting accused of leveraging that money to bring in a recruit like Travis Hunter, all of a sudden it behooved him not to say that anymore. So he started saying the opposite. Just like I said about Nick Saban a moment ago, both those statements from Deion Sanders can't be true. He is a liar either about the first thing that he said or the second thing that he said. So which part is he lying about? And by the way, the other big name in all of this, Jimbo Fisher, is the exact same way. 
you know, Fisher at one point in time was going around talking about how like, hey, there's new sheriff in town. We're going to be, you know, uh, the, the payments have been happening for a long time and all of a sudden now it's legal. And so basically we're using all this to our benefit. But then when people started really calling him out for all of this and the extreme accusations showed up about, you know, the 30 million dollars or, you know, uh, you know, basically similar to what we heard from Nick Saban a moment ago of the entire recruiting class essentially being paid for. Well, all of a sudden, much like Deion Sanders tune changed, Jimbo Fisher's tune changed as well. So Saban appears to be lying here about something. Deion Sanders appears to be lying here about something. And guess what? Jimbo Fisher appears to be lying about something there as well, because after initially bragging about Texas A&M using its resources to bring in recruits, all of a sudden then in February, his tune changed to this. This is Jimbo. There is no $30 million fund. There is no $5 million. There is no ten. This is garbage. Okay. And it does. It pisses me off that people, and here it comes from a site called Bro Bible by a guy named Slice Bread. Then everybody runs with it. So it's written on the internet as gospel. How irresponsible is that? And then to have coaches in our league and across this league say it, clown acts. All right? Irresponsible as hell. Multiple coaches in our league. And the guys griping about NIL, griping about transfer portal, using it the most and bragging about it the most. That's the ironic part. You want character? I'll trust. I'll take it with any of y'all. It's a joke. Obviously, the only way this can end is with sliced bread being given the Pulitzer Prize. I mean, I think we would all agree that, that that's really the only fitting end of this entire discussion. But once again, an example from uh, Jimbo Fisher there of singing a very different tune to what he had sung at one point in time of, hey, yeah, we're, you know, we're, we're here. You know, if you don't like it, get used to it or whatever, whatever it was that he said. But suddenly he's like, ah, oh, bro, Bible sliced bread. There's no 30 million dollars or whatever else. And with so many people saying whatever helps them in the moment, Nick Saban included, it becomes really hard to know what's true with any of this. And that's the part I think that's really frustrating for fans is that pretty clearly there in the eyes of many people is some chaos going on here. But but which part's true and which part isn't? Is Travis Hunter at Jackson State because of a million dollars? Or is that Nick Saban unfairly maligning Deion Sanders? Did Jimbo Fisher buy the entire class or did uh, you know, is that just, you know, crying over spilled milk? I think it becomes very hard to know because there are so little facts and so much, as I said before, self-serving, self-serving arguments, talking about whatever you think might allow you to thrive in the moment uh, with very little concern for what's actually going to help college athletics survive through this tumultuous time. So that's kind of my opinion on that. I'm also curious to hear what Terrence Edwards has to say about this and you as well. We'll get to your comments here eventually. Uh, But for now, a guy who works with players, who was a player, who is a coach, who understands issues like this from a number of perspectives. Fascinating day to have Terrence Edwards here on Dog Nation Daily presented by Meriwether and Tharp. So let's talk to him right now. Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead. Here's a DogNation.com insider. We will bring in Terrence Edwards, great coach, working with a next generation of college athletes in many cases, and himself a former great player, and no doubt a guy that uh, follows the issues around 
college athletics, college football in particular, very closely. Uh, Terrence, a lot of folks today talking about what Nick Saban had to say last night, basically saying that Texas A&M bought its entire class. Uh, 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 Deion Sanders paid Travis Hunter or somebody on behalf of Deion paid Travis Hunter a million bucks to go to Jackson State. The stuff at Miami basically saying that uh, Nick Saban's not quite so sure how long Alabama can keep doing what it's doing as long as that kind of craziness is allowed to be tolerated. What do you make of Nick Saban really, you know, kind of coming unglued about an issue that's obviously been at the forefront of our minds now for quite some time? What'd you make of Saban last night? I just think he said that something that's been going on before I even played college football. So let's just keep it real. Like uh, schools have been buying players from the beginning of time. Now it's just, it's public. It's it's, uh, not against the rules anymore. And if it's true, because I don't know if Texas A&M actually bought the players, but if it's true, right now it's not against the rules. That's what the NIL has done. I don't think this what this rule was intended for. I like the spirit of the rule that these players are able to capitalize on their name, likeness, image. When I was coming up, for say 25 years ago, once I signed that letter of intent to Georgia, Georgia owned all my rights to my God-given name. And now players are able to capitalize off that. Uh, right now, the way, it, way it's going, I personally do not like the way that you can now, you know, give a kid an opportunity to have a certain amount of money to go to your school. That part I don't like about it. I like, you know, you going to a school because of, you know, that's where you want to go. But there's a lot of people in a lot of situations that this is, you know, the most money they probably will ever spend in their life. And, and as an 18-year-old kid, I'm going to say this right now. I would have took advantage of that opportunity as well uh, as an 18-year-old kid. But uh, let's go back, Chris. I'm a, I was in a little different situation because my brother was a first-round draft pick. So coming out of high school, if I needed anything, my brother was able to yeah. buy it for me. But a lot of people come into situations that, you know, family was just unfortunately. And this is an opportunity to put your family in a better situation. But just for, you know, Coach Saban going out, saying this, uh, that they bought their class. Uh, publicly, I don't know why you would say that. We all understand what's going on. Just Now just adding fuel to the fire. He is Nick Saban, and he you know, is the, the, the big dog on the hill right now. I mean, even though we won the national championship last year, he's still a big dog on the hill that we're trying to consistently knock off. Uh, it could come off as sour grapes a little bit because yeah. he didn't get the number one class, but he got the number two ranked class, so I don't think he's going to be hurting for players at the end of the day i think it's really interesting a couple of things you bring to mind that that i want to talk about here for a moment and listen sitting here in this chair in kind of an official capacity uh, i'm not willing to stipulate on the record that any improper benefits have ever taken place but let's just say for the sake of conversation they have at some point in time in college football's past given the fact that the sport seemed to kind of hum right along pretty efficiently while that was allegedly taking place wasn't that better than what we have right now? I mean, in other words, if it was a grocery bag, you know, under a kitchen table sometime in the past, if that kept the sport moving and that kept everybody happy, isn't that better than whatever this is? Or am I wrong to say that? I think you're right and wrong at the same time. I think, yes, it, it was, it, you know, something that was done up under the table. I think a lot of people know if someone was caught giving players, uh, especially money, a large sum of money. I think it became a federal law at some point. If I could be wrong, but I think it became 
a jailable offense uh, dating back to the Fab Five. I think that guy was uh, because he lied at the grand jury and all this stuff. So it's been going on for a long time, and and college football was thriving and still was, I think, at its highest peak. And I think now it's it's turned to the wild, wild west. Uh, On one hand, I do like it because I'm all for players being able to capitalize off their name, likeness, image. But there's also the spirit of what you're saying. Like, even though it was under the table, uh, it wasn't really talked about. And uh, college football didn't have this pay-for-play type of thing where who could pay the most money, that's where I'm going. Um, So, yes, I think you're right and wrong in that situation. And like I said, again, I'm for the players been able to capitalize, but I'm not for the spirit of way it's going right now. Here's the other thing that I, I get a little bit frustrated about. Maybe this doesn't matter all that much, but it, but it seems like it does. If I want to go back on the internet, Terrence, and if I want to find out what you got paid in the CFL, that's somewhere, right? I mean, I, like professional athletes, their salaries are just very much in the record. People know what they are. I can tell you what everybody on the Braves makes, everybody on the Falcons makes. Like we just talk about these kinds of salaries all the time. It's just a it's just a matter of kind of you know public record, common commonly discussed, openly available. Yet with some of this NIL stuff, it's amazing to me how present the conversation is, how prevalent the conversation is, and yet it seems to rely on so few facts. Like Nick Saban, at one point in time, it sounded good for him to say my quarterback got a million dollars. Now he wants to say all my guys get paid the same thing, or at least they should get paid the same thing. You know, at one point in time, Deion Sanders is saying hey you know we're going to give nil right when we can start doing it now he's saying we're not doing that we literally don't know whether travis hunter got the big nil deal or not at least you know kind of publicly available on the record there on that same thing for a&m what did their guys get what didn't they do you think it would be helpful if we had more on the record facts related to what's actually going on here because it's the same thing with like the jordan addison thing right now too the wide receiver that's leaving Pitt at one point in time you know, some radio host said that USC was going to give him two million bucks. That just got treated as a fact by so many people without ever taking any time to verify that whatsoever. It's just amazing to me how much, you know, kind of like the large numbers here just get sort of spat out into the rumor mill and nobody ever goes back to verify any of this. Do you think it would be helpful if we had more facts about what guys are actually being paid on the NIL front and who's actually being the one that pays them? I think for uh, I'm torn right there. I, I'm really torn about making it public. Uh, there, there, there's a lot of kids, and let's just take when you're drafted out of high school back when kids like our kids are being drafted three years. They're still young adults at, at 18, and come come to this money uh, overnight. And now social media can really hurt kids and now people that are jealous about situations are trying to hurt these kids because of the money that they have. They could be targets. Then on the other end, you have that yes, let's find out who's getting what so we can figure out if there's some illegal transactions going on and who's paying it, where is it coming from. But now we don't know where it's coming from. We all can say it came from a NIL deal, but what if it came from so there's a lot of uncertainty around what's going on. I think people just want transparency of where is this coming from? How how much it is? Is it illegal? Because I think everybody in a day just want a fair playing ground to be able to recruit kids, being able to get kids on your campus. I just think people want a fair playing ground and not so much of what if or untruth or 
of people just throwing out numbers just to make up one school look bad. So I do think there's some transparency that needs to go on on one hand, yes. Do you think that Nick Saban knows what he's doing, picking a fight with Deion Sanders? Because, uh, Terrence, people like Deion. Uh, Deion's, you know, very good on TV, got a big social media following. You know, Deion is kind of viewed as a cool dude. People like, I mean, you know, Deion, going back to my childhood, Deion's been a big figure for a lot of people for a very long time. Uh, You know, Nick Saban has, for the most part, been really respected. But if you go messing around trying to pick a fight with Deion Sanders, like Deion's not just going to sit back and do nothing about that. He's already, you know, kind of getting involved with some of this on on social media. Like, you know, this could hurt Saban a little bit if he gets into a little bit of a scrap with Deion because Deion knows how to use words to his advantage. Do you think Saban knows what he's doing right here? I I personally think uh, Deion can – it helped Dion in this area. It helped Dion recruit because now he can go to a young man's living room and say, look, I have the big dog talking about us. So if the big dog is talking about uh, Jackson State or HBCU, we must be doing something right. I can do this X, Y, and Z for you because the great Nick Saber, who has all these national championships, have put all these players in the NFL, is worried about Jackson State now. If he wasn't worried about Jackson State, he would not have put us in the same Senate as he did. So I think it's a it's a positive for Dion that he can spin it in a way that he can now continue to go in these kids' living room and, like, we're doing something right because Nick Saban is talking about us in a public forum. I also kind of like the fact that Kirby Smart, and obviously he's got opinions on this, everybody does. We played some of the audio that uh, that he shared on this. I kind of like the idea that Kirby Smart's, for the most part, not in this drama. You know, it's like, you know, Kirby seems to be taking a pretty measured approach to this. You know, Kirby's not the one going back war of words with Jimbo Fisher or Dion or anybody else. How do you feel about the fact that, for the most part, you know, Kirby's kind of sidestepping this drama right now, polishing his national championship trophy, you know, working on his own 2023 recruiting class. And, yeah, craziness, crazy stuff's going on all around him but it doesn't seem like he's that impacted by all of this yet. What do you make of Kirby's demeanor while the uh, rest of the college ball world seems to be in smoldering embers right now? I think it's, uh, it's great for Kirby and Georgia Bulldogs just flying up under under the radar, uh, continue doing what he's doing on the recruiting, tra- on the recruiting trail, going and trying to get the best players you could you could get. I mean, first, I don't think uh, if we're trying to lure a, a, a Manny to your school, I don't think you probably want your school to be in all this talk uh, negatively. I, I think you want to spend your university in a positive light, and uh, that can probably continue to help in a recruitment of an arts manning and, and a player such uh, of a family lore name like that. So staying out of this drama, I think it's, it's helping Kirby. Now he just could fly up on the radar while everyone else continues to bicker and fight. He's just secretly up under, under the table going out doing what he's doing. No, I like the idea of that. Let me finish with this, if you don't mind. Um, so where do we go from here, Terrence? I mean, like, how do you fix this? Because, like, clearly, I think there are some people who would like to see some uniform rules. But, I mean, as Nick Saban did point out last night, and I think he's right for saying this, listen, the NCAA has tried to do this, and every time they try to make a rule about something, they just get dragged to court and they end up losing. Um, so, you know, if you try to limit NIL, you get sued for that. If you try to limit transfer portal, some people believe you're going to get sued for that. In fact, there have been, you know, some suits kind of related to, to some of this kind of stuff. So how do you fix this? Or do you just not worry about fixing it? Just letting it be a, a, as wild as it is. If I made you in charge right now, what would you do? And what would you try to convince everybody to, to agree on? 
I just think college football definitely needs to come into some type of rule. Uh, this is a capitalistic society. I think everybody should be able to capitalize off their name. Uh, I don't care if it's, you know, there's, there's golfers that turn pro at a certain age and they get capitalized off. And, but you're, you're finding a letter of intent to play college football. I, me personally, I just think you're, you shouldn't be able to get in our deals after a certain time. Not saying that you can't get it. I don't think you'll be able to get it as a high schooler or incoming freshman. Just think there are some rules after your first year, um, you're at the school, you are able to gain some type of deal. Uh, I just think at 18, uh, I know we could go and fight the war. We could, uh, we could go into the army. We could do a lot of these things at 18. But when you sign up to play in the college, uh, playing college football at NCAA, you are agreeing to step into their ramp. We're going to give you a leeway, but they have to be some type of rules. And I'm not the guy, I'm not smart enough to know what that could be, the laws and all that, but it has to be some type of uniformity around college football because if, if not, I just think the big dogs who have the most money is going to continue to get the players. Uh, players can go in just to the transfer port and say, highest bidder comes along, see what you got for me. Um, just those types of things. I, Jordan Anderson, he, he's the best receiver in college football. He could put his name in the port and he could go capitalize off of it. And there's nothing wrong with that, in my opinion, uh, because he should be able to. But for college football sake, and I love college football. Anybody know me, high school sports is the best. College football second, mm-hmm. pros is, is third. So I love college football. I, I, I watch from Saturdays. My wife gets upset with me because I watch a 12 o'clock game. doesn't matter who's playing to the 10 o'clock game. Just love college football. I just don't want it to continue to go down this road. But I am for players able to earn money off their name. Terrence, I think you're a smart guy. I really do. I know you're a, a person that puts a lot of thought in this kind of stuff. You care about sports at the high school, college level. Everything is in between. So obviously your opinion matters a lot to us. I certainly appreciate your time here today. And for the folks who want to be a part of the coaching that you're out there doing with that next generation of wide receiver, pass catcher each and every day. And by the way, we got to say pass catchers now because a lot of these great tight ends are catching the football so much uh, that we got to make sure we include them in this discussion too. How can they be a part of what you're doing with the Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy? You can find me on all social medias at Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy. Terrence, great stuff. Thanks for your time. We look forward to speaking to you soon. Thank you. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, it's really good from uh, Terrence Edwards. It, it really is. And I, I love his thoughts there at the end about, you know, listen, how do you how do you make sure there is a college athletics and also – you know, take care of players, something that we're very much in favor of doing around here. We, we'd like the idea of that. And it seems like the place that all of this is eventually heading is towards the big pot of the real money. The real money in college athletics is the television contracts. These are just gigantic billion dollar type figures in many cases. And at some point in time, we're kind of heading for a discussion of, well, is that where the money for players should come from? If you don't like NIL, if you don't want NIL to be a thing, if you want the boosters out of this, then the way to eliminate that as an issue is by giving the players the money out of the the TV money. And I understand that argument. I really do. Um, I'm skeptical of some certain aspects of the argument, but I understand where the argument comes from. But this is something that Saban said last night. Audio, we don't have time to play for you. But this is something that he said last night that has to be a part of this. It's like, do you want a capitalistic college football where everybody gets what they deserve? 
or do you want a co- collectivist college athletics where football helps fund the other sports? Because you can't have both. You can't be. I mean, I hate to, you know, bring it to this, but that's kind of the thing. You can't be, you know, hey, college ball free market. You know, let let it you know, let it go how it goes, and then use that same pile of money then to also support every other you know athletic endeavor that that college sports wants to be a part of at some point in time some hard choices are going to have to be made and i find that to be uh pretty fascinating but that's there on that two more quick points i want to make about all of this i'll do that you're coming out but first let me remind you uh we're cruising around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean Boy, great time to be taking a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation after some of what's been going on in college athletics as of late. I think some of us feel like we could use another vacation. And listen, I think you should use a vacation anyway. I mean, this is the time of year we think about that, right? We're heading towards Memorial Day. You get the summer coming up. Um, you know, I've been talking a lot of high school coaches this week. And, uh, you know, there's a period coming up where you got a couple of weeks off with really no football going on for a lot of the high school guys you know, kind of post-spring practice, and they're all talking about, I'm going here, and I'm going there, and a few of the guys I've talked to are like, I'm taking a cruise. Um, So, listen, this is what you need to be doing there as well. You need to be getting a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation all put together, because in addition to the great ports you visit and all the fun entertainment on board, you get great dining options there as well. You get the classic experience like the main dining room or the Windjammer Cafe, which is a really good look, uh, good buffet. But you've got this incredible collection of specialty restaurants right now, whether it be Chops Grill. You want a Zumi. That's an Hibachi style restaurant. Uh, there's the Playmaker Sports Bar and Grill. You've heard us talk about that before. That was on Independence of the Seas, the, the ship we visited in April. Lots of these ships have us Playmakers or all of them have a Chops Grill. And some of them even have some brand new concepts great italian uh, mexican all kinds of really fun specialty restaurants on board these royal caribbean cruise ships so my friends the cruise and vacation authority can help you out with this find them online tcava.com that's tcava.com or give them a call 770-952-8300 770-952-8300 all right a quick point uh, oh, by the way, uh, this just coming out, Mark Passwaters, a reporter for Rivals on Twitter, saying that A&M just informed members of the media that Jimbo Fisher will take questions at 10 a.m. That's central time. That means we're 10 minutes away from a Jimbo Fisher sound off here. Fisher's going to take questions at 11 Eastern time this morning. So uh, we've gotten a little bit of a response from Deion Sanders calling Nick Saban a liar. Uh, Jimbo Fisher is taking questions. This is very this is just fun, right? Because it is very unusual in late May for a head coach to have an impromptu press conference like this. But that's how serious Jimbo Fisher thinks this is. And it is serious because Nick Saban threw an intense allegation at Jimbo. Here's the thing you understand. For all intents and purposes, there really is no NCAA anymore. And when it comes to like college football, strong influence on the NCAA is um you know, by the NCAA over college football is not really something we've had for a long time anyway, if ever. One of the reasons why institutionally people take this kind of stuff so seriously is if you think about this in like black and white print, what Saban accused Jimbo Fisher of yesterday was not breaking an NCAA rule, although that's kind of the way in which Saban was pushing this. Saban actually accused Jimbo Fisher of breaking the law. I don't believe those laws ever be enforced in in most states, you know, certainly Travis Hunter in Georgia, a lot of states. You know, it's illegal to use NIL money as an inducement to a player to come to your program. And as I said before, you know, there's a lot of laws in the books that don't get enforced. I believe this might kind of fall into that category. But the accusation that Saban throws at Jimbo, you bought and paid for your entire class. 
Like, that's not the kind of thing that we just kind of laugh off here. Now, you and I may laugh that off because, you know, that's, you know, just it's just juicy soap opera drama for us. But if you're A&M, Saban just accused you of breaking the law, you know, not just breaking an NCAA rule because, you know, the NCAA rule book so ponderous that I'm probably breaking one right now. But the law is a little different on that. So uh, interesting to see that Jimbo Fisher is going to take co- comments. Obviously, most of you watch and listen to the show after we are recorded live. So you may know more about this then than we do now. But in real time here, we're about 10 minutes away from that taking place, which is really interesting. Now, let me give you a couple other quick points here for a moment. You know who I find myself thinking about on a day like this? Is <laughs> Tennessee. Let me tell you why. So Tennessee reportedly is just throwing millions of dollars around in NIL money, right? They got this big collective and Nico Imaliva, you know him, the uh, five-star quarterback for the 2023 class. Suppose they're giving him $8 million and Tennessee is just a big player in the NIL scene, according to their own folks you know folks in knoxville seem to believe they are a player on the scene their nil collective is changing the game how mad are they right now that nick saban last night ranted against nil culture he mentioned Deion sanders he mentioned jimbo fisher he mentioned miami it didn't even occur to him to mention tennessee so even in the nil era with tennessee trying to throw a bunch of money at all of this they still can't get what they believe is their most hated rival, what they believe is their number one rival. They still can't get Alabama to know they're even alive. Like, if anybody's mad today, it's probably the folks at Tennessee because they're like, wait, after all this, you know, what we're supposedly doing, NIL and Collective and, and Nico leave and everything else, Nick Saban still doesn't care about us? you got to imagine that's a, a little bit of a thorn in the side of the Tennessee Vols here today. And then one more point on this. It's about to get very interesting for Nick Saban. Jimbo Fisher's already said that <laughs> in basically no uncertain terms that he knows where all the bodies are buried. So there's no, there's literally no telling what he might say today. I mean, Jimbo's one of these guys, you know, uh, you get him going, he just kind of, he kind of, kind of gets rolling here. There is literally no telling what he might say. And there is definitely no telling what Deion Sanders might say in the future because not being a coach in the SEC, being a guy that's kind of more at that kind of FCS level, as Terrence Edwards kind of, you know, suggested before. Listen, uh, all of this is just sort of good for him. So whatever he needs to do to kind of get back in Nick Saban, there's really very little disincentive from him doing that. Nick Saban better be very careful with all of this. Because Saban, one way or another, is near the end of his career, 70 years old. And listen, right now, Saban's reputation in sports is really pretty uh, pretty bulletproof. There are a lot of people who think he's not only the greatest college coach of all time, college football coach. There are people who think he's the greatest coach, period. But, like, reputations can be tarnished. I'll give you a couple quick examples here. Look at Coach K for a moment. Now, Coach K is still a revered figure. That's true. But Coach K's reputation within basketball circles is not what it was 10 years ago. It's not. You know, I think, you know, around, what, seven, eight years ago, people started asking the question, wait, is is Duke basketball as pristine and as as wrinkle-free as we think it is? Because you started hearing things about, you know, whatever else. I mean, there's all kinds of, you know, crazy rumors out there involving Zion Williamson. And some of that actually probably graduates beyond rumor and actually is true actual report. You had a guy named Mark Titus, who was kind of a media figure 
a few years ago, pointing a finger at Jeff Capel, some of the things that he was doing while employed at Duke. The point here is, is that people got mad at Coach K because of his involvement with USA Basketball and some of the ways in which he was leveraging certain things for the benefit of the Duke program. And all of a sudden, Coach K, as this like, like stately figure at the top of college athletics, there are a lot of people in college basketball who kind of came to the conclusion of, well, actually, he's just not that different than anybody else. Like, he's basically just doing the same stuff that everybody else is doing. He's just sort of doing it with the Duke veneer wrapped around it. Fairly or not, that's kind of what Coach K's reputation is now, not as pristine as it would have been a decade ago. And if Nick Saban wants the end of his career to work out the same way, then keep going down this road. Keep saying, we didn't pay anybody. Uh because you better hope that really is true. If you're going to go around strutting around talking about who you didn't pay and what you didn't do, you better hope that's true. You better hope that you don't have a you know long list of people saying, well, what about this? What about that? What about that? And maybe all those what about this is what about that? Maybe none of those are true. But if you start hearing enough of those kind of things over and over again, it will greatly impact how people view Nick Saban. It will change the way people think about him a little bit. A more extreme example of that for a very different reason is Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer at one point in time was a coach thought of on par with Nick Saban. And that was not that long ago. It was not that long ago. Think about post-2014 college football playoff when Meyer beat Saban in the college football playoff. At that point in time, this sport was thought to have two Goliaths. One of them was Urban. One of them was Nick. And in the span of time that has passed since then, less than a decade, by the way, Urban Meyer is not mentioned in those kinds of sentences at all. His uh, uh, reputation has been totally, totally changed for different reasons than what we're talking about here with Nick Saban, admittedly. But it shows you things can change quickly. I mean, in fact, post-Jacksville Jaguars, there's a thought that Meyer's going to go back and do TV, and yet it was even debatable about whether or not he was unhirable just given some of the things that are being said about him, some of the things that people are saying about Meyer right now. Things can change with reputations. And if Nick Saban wants to be self-serving and argue right now on, hey, it's bad that players are being paid. We're not doing that. We've never done that. You better hope that's true, because if it's not, someone could gain a lot of attention for themselves by raising their hand and say, let me tell you what I know. You better hope what you're saying is true, because if it's not, someone's going to probably call you out on that. All right. So, uh Good time for a little toast here. Good time for a little beverage. How about some finished long drink for you on all of that? We love the finished long drink. Especially it's great when you head towards the summer, being outside Memorial Day weekend, you're going to pools, you're having a good time doing all of that. And you may say, well, B.A., I hear you talk about the finished long drink. In fact, we showed you one of our golden shoes yesterday. One of our great listeners, good enough to support a, uh, a great uh, beverage that supported us for a long time. And you may say, well, I haven't tried it yet. I'm not really even sure which, uh, gold, uh, which uh, finished long drink I should try. Well, here's the cool thing. You, right there over my shoulder, if you're watching on video, you see this. That eight-can variety pack, you can get two different cans. Uh, or, or two cans of each of the different four uh, long drink varieties, whether it be the cranberry, which you know, has the cranberry flavor, the long drink strong, 8.5% alcohol by volume. That's a black can. You can get the long drink zero. That's no carbs, no sugar. Always kind of nice to watch your you know, health with stuff like that. The long drink traditional, it's a blue can. It's got the grapefruit kick to go along with the uh, gin. Uh, that's always a lot of fun. A ready-to-drink cocktail. Pop the top on the can, pour it into a glass, or drink it straight out of the can. It's fun to enjoy. Comes from Finland in the 1950s. Summer games were there in Helsinki. That's the backstory behind this great beverage. We've been in America now for a couple of years. 
And it's available here in Georgia now, pretty much wherever you are. Golf courses, beverage stores, bars, restaurants, so many other places there as well. Just go to thelongdrink.com, thelongdrink.com, and you can find out where to pick some up today. And you can be enjoying some finished long drink here this summer. What a great thing that is to be able to do. By the way, speaking of Golden Shoe, we talked a little bit yesterday about the uh, Georgia-Oregon game and some fun we're having with that right now. And a lot of folks online doing the same thing. And one of the things I love about our Golden Shoe time is it's a great chance for you to share stuff with me that other you know creative people are doing online. We like to give them a little bit of credit for that. So let's give you a Golden Shoe here today. So April Stout uh, made this uh, very funny. It's like uh, Kirby is a duck hunter with all the ducks there. We talked about the duck hunting thing from Georgia yesterday. Uh, opening day of duck season. All those Oregon O's there on that. So pretty good stuff there on that. Do we have the person that sent that to us uh, uh, as well? Okay, so uh, somebody sent that to me. Uh, so always appreciate you tagging me on stuff like that. Good stuff from April. We'll make you a uh, golden shoe winner here today. By the way, lousy stinging gators. They can't even pay players to come to their program. And it's been 4,879 days since they have won a national championship. And 163 days from right now, gator hater countdown. Dogs back in Jacksonville and getting another win against those lousy stinging gators. We'll see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily presented by Merriweather and Tharp. And on the podcast, I'm now at the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down, where just as we finish today's show, Jimbo Fisher does the press conference in response to Nick Saban's criticism of him that we played for you during the show. So I want to read you a few of these comments here right now. As I said before, by the time any of you hear this, this will maybe be a little bit fresher for you. It's or a little bit, you know, something you've maybe heard before, but this is just freshly coming off right now for all of us here. So let me read this to you. Jimbo saying it's despicable that we have to sit here at this level of ball and say these uh, things to defend the people of this organization, the kids, 17-year-old kids and their families. It's amazing. Some people think they're God. He said, <laughs> go dig into how God, air quotes, did his deal. You may find out about a lot of things you don't want to know. We build him up to be the czar of football. Go dig into his past or anybody that's ever coached with him. You can find out anything you want to find out. What he does, how he does it, it's despicable. It really is. And keep in mind this. Jimbo Fisher worked with uh, Nick Saban. That was his offensive coordinator when he won the uh, national championship at LSU in 2003. That was his guy there. And so when Jimbo says that, it should be taken as a threat. But it is not an empty threat. At least I don't think it is anyway. Um more from Jimbo Fisher. You're talking about seven. You're taking shots at 17 year old kids and their families, and they uh, that they broke state laws. And remember, that's the issue here. I don't know if I mentioned this during the regular show or not, but what what Saban is accusing Jimbo of is not an NCAA violation. It's a it's a it's a violation of the law, and that's important to keep in mind here. Uh, that basically you'd be accusing us of breaking state laws if we bought every player in this group. We never bought anybody. No rules were broken. Nothing was done wrong. These families, it's despicable that a reputable head coach can come out and say these things when he doesn't get his way or things don't go his way. The narcissist in him doesn't allow those things to happen. It's ridiculous. This is an impromptu called press conference where Jimbo Fisher is saying all of this. At one point in time, he even went on to say that when he was growing up, he got slapped if he lied or said something that wasn't true and basically suggested that somebody should slap Nick Saban. Man, this is a juicy time right now. Fascinating stuff. Uh, we'll continue to follow it for you. And by the way, Monday, we're going to be at the David Pollock Golf Tournament where a lot of important figures are going to be there as well. My guess is there'll be plenty to be said there about what's going on here with Jimbo, Nick Saban, and 
everybody else that's kind of involved in this as Kirby Smart just kind of chills back in the background, polishing his national championship trophy, smiling and I guess being entertained by all of this, like so many other folks are there as well. So good stuff. Thanks for being here for the podcast. Cool down today. Find R.S. Andrews online at rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. They'll show up on time. They'll do the work that's promised. The price is promised. You can trust R.S. Andrews to do that for you today. We'll see you tomorrow on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp.